cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Giants. I'm Tim Hunt. She's on the Annie on the board. S&P futures down 1450. Yeah, down. Wow. Down. It's unbelievable. Nasdaq futures down 74. Um, look at Dow futures down 88. Uh, individual stocks in the uh, down. Nothing uh, Nothing crazy. Microsoft down a buck and a half. Uh, Chevron Tech's go up a buck and a half. Uh, Apple down 68 cents. So, not much. Uh, do we have Mr. Kevin? You do. How are you? Doing okay. Good, good. Yeah, not much. Always reminds me of J.T. Croto when they asked him about some new economic plan. He thought about it for several minutes and then about what it would do, and, and the answer was not much. Well, yeah, he was a he was a nice guy. He was a brilliant man. He, he was uh, uh, he wrote the Economics of the Credit Union was one of his books, uh, mm-hmm. and I remember reading that. As a matter of fact, we took a course in the credit union, and it's uh, understanding how credit unions work is a is a very simple, very interesting way, basic way to learn how how essentially financial intermediation works. How's that for a term this early, Kevin? And Eliani? It makes my head hurt, Tom. Yeah, just a minute. Just you know. does. It does. Uh, so, you know, the idea of, of some people providing capital, they have extra capital for, and other people using the capital to do things. That's the whole basic basis of our of our system here, and that's why I have ranted and raved for a long time regarding the zero interest rate policy. It screws the whole thing up. Let's mm. see. We're giving you nothing, but you should give us your money anyway, and we're going to dole it out to the people we like real cheap and the people we don't like real expensive. We're not going to make sure that everybody gets it cheap. We're just going to make sure that some people get It's a interesting world you, you've landed in, Eliani. Let's just say, at a young age. I know. Like everyone's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, things are just the way they are. And I'm like, I still didn't ask to be here. Yeah, yeah I know. It's <laughs> a, we didn't. That's a, that's a great line. We didn't ask to be here, Kevin. Just, just saying. Uh, <laughs> no, no choice there. It's, it actually, it sounds like a good song title. So, um, Eliana, if you want to write a song, now careful, she will. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, uh, she she has the capability. The uh, and not only that, she'll sing it. <laughs> She's not going to be Steve Goodman. We got to give her song to Arlo Guthrie to make it a uh, hit. What song was that, Eliani? Uh, oh no, oh no! I haven't woken up yet. I don't oh, know. Yeah. The, the train. <laughs> oh, oh, City of New Orleans. Yeah, City of New Orleans. Ah, that's right. <laughs> and that, that happened at the Quiet Night. The owner of the Quiet Night used to have all those people play there. Um, if it was still open, that you'd be playing there because I mean it was open seven nights a week and it was a real spot and. uh uh, it was on Sheffield. Right at night was Double Door before there was Double Door. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, who the hell did I saw there? I, I saw Seals and Crofts the day before they put their first album out. Sick. Um, uh, Seagull Shrawl Blues Band used to play and, and reduce cover on a Monday night. And why they were reduced cover, I have no idea. They were terrific. Hmm. Uh, but Arlo Guthrie played there all the time. So did uh, Steve Goodman. Was a, He hung out at the place, basically. But they had big he hung out there until he opened his own place. Yeah, yeah. And then he somebody else's troubles. And then Does he that en- still exist? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. And then he ended up 
Ashes at home plate, and now when they cleaned it and when they redid the infield, he's in a dumpster. In a landfill. So now that's where he is. Steve Goodman is now in a landfill. I'll have to remember that when I have my ashes scattered. scattered. <laughs> Do um, not go someplace that's going to be excavated. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and, how, and how do you know that? Why don't you just get like a grave like everybody else? For 100 years now, somebody walked by and say, Kevin O'Neill, he must have lived. Stone must have liked the guy enough to give him a spot. For me, I want to be planted into a tree. <laughs> oh God! What yes. kind of tree? I don't know. Just if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be dead, I might as well be useful. If I'm dead, I might well, as well. One be of my spots is the uh, right-handed batter's box at Athletic Field, which is at Addison in Central Park. Alrighty. There you go. Hmm. Dead. One of my happy spots. <laughs> and, and they'll dig that thing out, and you'll be, you'll be in a landfill too. Um, Thanks, maybe. Tom. But it'll be, <laughs> but, but I'll still, I'll still get, uh, I'll still get a double from the landfill. Oh, Hell yeah! Oh okay. god. Um, hey, speaking of speaking of sports, who, 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 who was that line? Was that who was that speaking of sports? I don't Howard know. Cosell. Yeah, it was Howard Cosell. Um, Howard Cosell. Speaking of sports, um, I, I love his his book. Where it was hard to get a job as a as a as a color commentator because I never played the game. Um. But he was a interesting history in some of these creatures. Only I mean, Howard Cosell was a mm-hmm. obviously a very controversial sports guy. Loved him or hate him. Matter of fact, a, a bar I used to go to—not that I ever go to bars—called uh, uh, the hell's the other place? Uh, I don't remember it. The uh, they used to they had we were on Sports Illustrated, not Sports Illustrated. They were Wide World of Sports. Because okay. on Monday night when Howard Cosell was on, they bought it. They would buy an extra TV, and if you won the lotto. As soon as Howard came on, you got to throw a brick through the TV. Oh, okay. Riley's daughter is the name of the place, and uh, oh. they were they were on Wide World of Sports with this little. And of course, they get some mutt who gets the brick and he misses the TV. Okay. How do you, how do you miss the TV with a brick? For God's sake! I don't know. Um, must have been either. Must have been very very drunk, or must have been uh, very was, very yeah, bothered. It was early, but uh, Howard, Howard Cosell was a when he was in his early twenties. I think he was a captain. I'm going to say in the Navy, but I'm not positive, uh, Kevin. He must have been. Where he was in charge of uh, the landing craft manufacturer uh, in New York Harbor with like 25,000 people working for him. This is when he's like 24. Okay. And then when he, when he, all of a sudden the war's over and he's out, he's got like, they, they threw those people, well, I mean, what else can you do? He didn't need landing craft anymore. Right. Everybody was just out in what, like, like a couple of months, right, Kevin, or six months or five months? And right, thanks for playing. The yeah, war's uh, over. The yeah, war's over. And uh, he was wandering around. And for, like, one day he's got 20,000 people essentially answering to him. The next day he's wandering down the street. Going, he went to law school and he decided he wanted to be in sports. But uh, Yay sports. Yeah, yay sports. And Speaking of speaking of sports, Kevin, what uh, what are you, you haven't given us your annual uh, assessment of where all the money goes in the NCAA. Are you, are you, are you up for that today or you want to do it Friday? Oh, I... I I can uh, on the fly. I can sort of uh, look at at what the uh, see if I can find the number per game. But the system remains. But the let's same, just right? assume it's I don't know somewhere in the number of three hundred thousand, something like that. It's it probably is. I, I um, la- you know last time we did this, it was in the twos somewhere. So uh, it's easy math for the three. Uh, if we give it around three hundred thousand. Well, with inflation and everything, yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah, like inflation is going to keep up with that. Um, it's probably more the other way around, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, here's here's how it works. What happens is every time you play a game, you get paid. You get paid, or your conference gets paid. 
you you get uh, your conference gets paid, but it it's essentially I don't know. Are there any independents still out there? There might there might be uh, one or two well, basketball independents split, but it gets split. But, but yeah, assume your conference gets paid. So what happens is, um, you every time you, it's it's three hundred thousand, but it's three hundred thousand for six years. So as an example. Um, this year, the Big Ten got uh, nine teams into the tournament. So the first round game, those nine teams all earned the Big Ten Conference $300,000 at a six-year annuity. And uh, whereas all of the other conferences, so for instance, the uh, Mid-Atlantic Conference had, uh, has the one team in it, St. Peter's. Uh, they got paid for the one game in the first round. And generally for a conference like that, that's it. It's over after that. So he's going to get the $300,000. They're going to get it every year for six years. And there's going to be this rolling uh, 300000 kicked into the pot and, and, uh, and another 300000 rolling off of the budget. And that goes to the conference. St. Peter's has been has done a, a solid for its conference because they have now won two games and they're going to play their third. So instead of getting paid once, they're going to get paid at least three times. And if they were to win, they'd get a fourth one. The Big Ten um, of their nine teams, if you were to go through their record, let's see what their record is. They're seven and six right now so six of their teams have stopped earning well I, that isn't even right I, I think I think all of their teams have stopped earning money except for Purdue and Michigan if I'm not mistaken correct they're the only two left they're the only two left uh, the ACC I think has three teams still left so they're still earning <laughs> so that's that's sort of how the, the, the tournament pays now you turn around to the conferences and most conferences just do an equal distribution of revenues less some expenses that uh, um, that the teams are allowed to uh, deduct uh, from the tally but in, in general um, that money gets distributed evenly so in the Big Ten for instance uh, Michigan is getting its shares of it but so is Northwestern but the the Irish to say there is there any ACC for this stuff uh, now they have to essentially fly to Dayton with somewhat of an entourage the minute the game's over uh, by the way do you get it for a play-in game do you know uh, I'm sure you do even it, you know I don't know if it's a, a lesser amount or anything but I, yes they absolutely get paid for a play-in right, so now it had to cost them to, to charter a jet which I'm sure they did I'm, I'm sure it's all top actually the NCAA takes care of all the travel arrangements for them so that's 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 on the top. It's over the top. Yeah. Really. Uh, yeah, okay. and the NCAA does that because they don't want to create advantages for some teams versus others. If we were left to what the individual programs could afford, some teams with big budgets would charter, and other teams would fly commercial because they couldn't afford to charter. Well, what about if if you if you were uh, in the playing game and you were. Uh, Cincinnati, you're probably going to hop on a bus to Dayton. Yeah. 
So, I mean, is there some common sense here? I imagine there is. Let's not get stuck on that. No, no, I'm sorry. Common sense not allowed in the equation. Okay. So, so okay. Now, uh. It's a lost art these days. Yes, it's a lost art. So, what, what, uh. Right, so let's say, for instance, we'll tie this into what's happening in the markets. Suppose the Fed does what they say they're going to do, and in fact, maybe what they think they're going to do, what I think they're going to do, they're going to totally lose control and be total idiots. Uh, let's say the interest rates go to 8%. Now, this. 300000 a year, uh, the, the NCAA getting the float on that is big, though. There hasn't been any float for 10, 12 years. But for a while, I mean, some, there have been times when there have been. Uh, who gets the float? The NCAA? Probably. Well, it's not me, so that must be who all's left. Um, by the way, this is a term that we're going to have to drag back out of the Yeah, I mean, I, I, when you say they get the float, um, they... Is is that money? Is that payout sitting somewhere and earning interest? And so now the payout next year uh, for this year's win is not going to be three hundred thousand. It's going to be three hundred thousand plus interest. Uh, I don't think so. I well, no, 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 no. I don't know. The payout may go up next year, but it uh, but it won't for the games played this year. My sus- my suspicious ears lead me to believe that the NCAA, instead of paying like a lottery ticket, instead of paying somebody. Uh, that would be what six times a million eight for the game, and just having it be done. They're going to pay you over six years, so they're going to get the float. So if they put it in a bank and they make three percent, I'm going to say that's how the NCAA is making money on the games. Well, that's sort of how they're making money on the games. They're making they're really okay, making money on the TV. Contract. Well, but but I'm saying if they were to pay if they paid it all out year one, you know. Picture yourself as the slimy state of Illinois, or the slimy NCAA. That's I mean, redundant. Yes, uh, yes, it is redundant. <laughs> now, if it, would I rather, if I owe you a million and a half, would I rather give you a hundred thousand over fifteen years and, and and get the interest? The, the, but here's a term like stagflation, like the misery index. We're going to get back. People are going to get get back with the term the float. So when you well, I'm going to go right back into business. I'm skipping around here, but it's all the same subject. I mean, that's kind of the kind of the, the theme of the show, if there is one. It's an umbrella. For instance, if you if you own all the stocks in the S and P 500, I mean, if you were to give me, uh, you know, ten billion dollars to manage, which by the way I do a pretty good job at because I always do. Uh, if if I was going to put that into a protected index program for you, and we had ten billion dollars, okay. For most people, I would just buy the spiders, all right, or I would buy the cues, or I'd buy something. I'd buy the index. So, okay, how, do, how does the index make money? How does the spiders make money? Because there's really no charge, there's no fee for it, because uh, it's a it's a fund, but it's you know, it's a whatever. It's, it, but it's it is a fund, but they don't charge anything. Now, why don't they charge anything? Because they're getting interest from people on basically a daily basis, in, in dividends. Sorry. Not a daily basis, but certainly a weekly basis from all the different stocks that are in there. You only pay it out once a quarter. So the interest they make on that, when we used to pay interest, okay, the interest they make on that is called a float. So put that one in the back of your mind. As, the inter- as interest rates go up, we'll revisit that. And people will say, what the hell is this float thing? That's what that is. So clearly, if, if interest rates go to 10%, Kevin, which I'm not predicting they will, the NCAA has got a massive windfall here. Because I don't think... They're going to call Notre Dame and say, "By the way, that's three hundred thousand. We owe you 
five years from now is going to be is now going to be four. I don't think they're going to do that, but maybe they will. I'm sure they won't. No, that's so, not the deal they have. So what happens? That money is in some place. I doubt if they're foolish enough to put it in the market. Could possibly lose it. Of course, you know we can't lose in the market, right? This, the Fed has your back. But I don't think it's in anything risky. I bet it's going to be in some kind of an annuity, or it's going to be, in a, you know, in, a, in some sort of a fixed income deal. It's very highly uh, safe, like the, like treasuries or something. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted rudely. But go ahead. So they, no, I, I, I think I think we covered it. So the uh, yes, that was very rude of you, but uh, and all, but no, I think we covered it. So the object is if you're, if, if you were a, again a sleaze bag, and you had a conference that had one really really good Not team. Anymore. Yeah, if you had a, a conference that had one really really good team, it would be behoove you to have that guy lose to somebody crummy. Uh, in the final conference tournament game. Only if you were guaranteed to be in. Uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, take take the example of St. Peter's. They were a 16 seed or a 15, I'm not sure which one. Um, they weren't getting in unless they won their conference tournament, even though they were the best team in the conference and won the regular season. I'm not even sure they won the regular season, to be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't pay any attention. The, the point the point being that you could you could do that more like with the oh, the ACC is a good example Virginia Tech won the won the conference I don't think Virginia Tech was going to get into the tournament until they won the conference even better the Atlantic Ten um, uh, uh, what's the uh, Davidson yeah uh, Davidson was the uh, um, the favorite to win the, comp- the tournament, Davidson was the regular season champion, and by losing, Davidson still got in, and whoever beat him in their conference—I don't remember who that was now—got uh, into the tournament. So yes, there was in that case a perverse incentive for Davidson to lose because its conference would get paid extra. Well, it, it, it clearly was the case for uh, Loyola three of the last five years. I mean, especially the year they were real good. They went to the Final Four. I mean, they were in no matter what, right? So if, if they didn't win their conference, they still would have gone. Yeah, and, and I think there's, you know, that that happens in, in many cases. Do I think teams lose the conference championship game on purpose? I've never seen any evidence of it. But you would think that you wouldn't want you, you wouldn't want that financial incentive to be there. Well, you also you know, have it, a... It, it, it's, it's at cross-purposes with uh, with real competition and what sport's supposed to be. I mean, in my world, here, here's how I would make the rules, and I've felt this way a long time. I think they bef- they should pick the field before conference tournaments start. So you pick, your, you, you pick all the teams that are going to be in it before the conference tournament starts. And now, if you, you look to any conference and you say... You want to have a conference tournament? Cool. You want to uh, send your automatic qualifier? uh, uh, You want the winner of of your conference tournament to be the automatic qualifier? Cool. If somebody wins it who's not in this original pick of the field, one of your teams gets to bow out. Well, I would do it. I would do it. Get to the same place a different way. I'd say you got you got one bid. If, you, if, if you'd rather send Slippery Rack than Loyola, who's you know got a really good team, that's your business. But we're taking one. 
same thing. Yeah, well, and that's uh, you know that's it. That's uh, that's essentially it. Now, you know, part of part of the issue there is that you get these teams that uh, you know this cluster of teams around the last few spots, and how they play in their conference tournaments generally will affect whether they get in or not. So it's it's like their last chance to prove themselves. So I, I do understand that. But um, well, plus you have teams. But, but either way, I think we're both thinking along the same lines, and that is simply that if you know uh, you don't you don't get to knock some other conference's team out of the tournament just because you had one of your crummy I don't want to say crummy teams one of your non qualifiers all of a sudden win the conference tournament and qualify. Plus, you also have you know there's always you know a million sides of these stories, and the other side of it is you could very well have a team. I mean, it's, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I don't know of any, well, any sport, I guess, could be like that, so I shouldn't really say this, but I don't know of any of any sport off the top of my head where you don't have new players coming in during the year where there could be <clears throat> dramatic improvements or the other way on a team during the season. I mean, really, you could have a team that's, uh, you know, 25-1 and one that... One guy flunk. Well, can you can even really flunk out? I doubt it. Some two guys get hurt, and other teams got four freshmen, and all of a sudden at the end of the year, you know they're 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 better than anybody else, and uh, they and they they swept their last ten, but they were horrible when the year started. So, I mean, you could get that sort of a the, the conference championship could pick up on some of that teams on the upward slide versus the teams on the upward movement versus downward slide. I mean, it's not like it, it's it's a total mess, Kevin. I mean, you know what I'm saying it's yeah, it's it, it's an imperfect system, and that and that's fine. You know, you're never going to get it that way. It, it it is an interesting way. A single elimination tournament is an interesting way to pick a champion, a national champion. Well, it shouldn't uh, be the because, it shouldn't uh, be the national. As much champion. as people hate the football with the selection committees and all of that, you you generally are getting the best teams in there. Whereas uh, in in basketball, one stumbled. Uh, by the best team, and it, it's easy to do. I mean, it, you know, when's the last time we had an un, undefeated team? Well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. For, for a I season. just you know, the, nobody's yeah. that good, so it's not a guaranteed way to get your best teams into the finals. Um, there can't be but anybody it's accepted, but it's what it's what we accept. So uh, uh, that's the way it's there, there can't be there can't be anybody who's ever played sports of any at any level. I'm just gonna, this, people are gonna be pissed at me here. It actually thinks that the and every every year the winner of the NCAA tournament should be the national champion. There can't be anybody who thinks that. I mean, if, if you're under, I mean, how, how, do, how do you how do you how are you the national champion if you're fifth in your conference? I mean, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yep. you should. No, I, I agree with yeah. you. It's it, it's a fun format. Um, it's uh, you know there, there's a lot to love about it and a lot to enjoy, but. You know, but but we have this idea that it is crowning some kind of a true champion for the whole season, whereas the uh, it, it isn't. It's the team that got hot for six games at the end. Yeah, well, and it's also. I mean, if you, much as I would hate to do this, if you if you if you reseeded, uh, you would give such an advantage to people, uh, you know, that that had actually won won conferences and stuff that nobody nobody would ever be able to uh, upset anybody really. You can well, never do. that's true, and but the logistics of reseeding it on the fly. Oh, yeah, you can't. I mean, you could never do that. It's too much. But uh, I, you know, I get it. It's it's a real, it's a really, 
I don't understand, Kevin, the, the, the play-in games. There's four of them. Yet every, every year there's, because this would probably totally screw the NIT, but every year there's probably eight teams sniveling, right? What, what difference does it make if you had four more play, play-in games? And just, just include all these people that are sniveling. I mean, you're, you yeah, to, because because you just move the uh, move the snivel uh, snivel line lower. <laughs> That's well, all yeah, you do. Well, you would a little bit, but I mean, you're at. I mean, you, you're one game away from everybody being in, basically. Or, well, you're you're you're, uh, you're right about that. You know, you're one more weekend from darn near everybody being in. I mean, well, there, there's a little over 300 teams. You you go from 64 to 128 to. Two fifty-six by you know adding the two more rounds of another weekend. That's how a lot of states do it for their high schools. Everybody's in, or, you know. I don't know if a lot of them do it anymore. But, but the, the states you know, have uh, certainly the way it was, it was once upon a time that everybody was in. And uh, how do they how do they work uh, this? it down. How do, they, how do you work the seed? I mean, you really wouldn't want Duke playing the last team in the Mid America Conference. Is that what they do in high school? Oh, the Mid America Conference wouldn't be the the last the, the lowest level. You'd be talking about the Horizon League or something like that. Well, even so, I mean, why, does anybody really want to see that game? You see in pro basketball now. No, it's it, part of why they don't yeah. do it. Well, you see in pro in pro the, basketball the expense, now. The expense of yeah. doing it that way is is not going to equal the um, uh, the revenue side of it. SP Futures down 19, NASDAQ Futures down 104. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, I'm up at Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Holland. Uh, we have Eliani on the board. S&P futures down 19 and a quarter. Nasdaq futures down 99.75. Dow futures down 113. This again after a big move day update yesterday. After one slight down day after four big updates. So... We've been a very positive the last week or so. For Europe, we've got the uh, DAX down 88.6%, FTSE up 17.2%, CAC around down 40.6%. For Asia, these guys were up huge yesterday. They're up again today. Nikkei up 816, that's 3%. Shanghai up 11, uh, it's 0.3%. Hang Seng up 264, 1.2%. Uh, the SoftBank group is up 7%. Some of these uh, stocks are just are, are flying here. Same stocks that we... Uh, some some of the crazy stocks from like a year or two ago are flying up again. I don't know if this is a the last gasp of a bull market or whether we're starting off again here. I mean, I one one morning I'm taking this as the biggest suckers rally ever. Next minute I think maybe it's a bull market. That's what makes a market, I guess. Right? It's never obvious. Uh, bonds unchanged at two point three eight. The bond uh, a positive point four nine. Japan positive point two three. All those are pretty much unchanged. Oil, however, not unchanged. Up another two forty six one eleven seventy three. Ran up 285 out of 118.33. That's a 2.5% move. Natural gas up a penny to 520. Our bob up 4 cents to 337. We've got gold up 950 to 1931. Silver up 26 cents, 2517. Copper up 3 cents, 473. And last but not least, we got Bitcoin down 539, but still at 42,026, which is close to the high of the last couple of weeks. Well, Annie, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Raining. Yes, more rain. Uh, good morning, everyone. Currently 6.35 a.m. on March 23rd. Let's start with sports. Uh, in the NBA, Bulls lose again. Uh, two bucks last night, 98 to 126. And the game was not as close as the score would indicate. Oh, my God, not at all. It was bad. It was pretty, pretty bad. And uh, moving on, Suns will be playing Timberwolves tonight at 7 o'clock. In hockey, Coyotes lose to Kraken last night, 2 to 4. Blackhawks will be playing the Ducks tonight at 9 o'clock. In Chicago, like we just mentioned, it is currently another rainy, cloudy day. 52 with intermittent rains, high of 57, low of 41. In Phoenix, currently sunny, 66 with a high of 81 and a low of 53. We have traffic on uh, eastbound on the Eisenhower between the Route 
20 ramp in Central due partly to an accident on Villa Avenue at the Route 20 Lake Street ramp just before the 290 East ramp. We have traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between the 294 South Tri-State ramp and Lawrence. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on the Edens between Armitage and Canalport. Intermittent traffic westbound on the Edens between 130th and 87 and between 47th and West Division. We have traffic northbound on the Stevenson between the I-20 connector and South Damon. And finally, we have a bit of traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 18th Street and East Grand. Back to you, Chief. The, uh, Kevin, I want to quiz you here on some subject which you, out of all the subjects I hit you up with, this will be one of the, probably the, you'll really wonder where the hell I'm coming from. Uh, I'm sure you've been listening, uh, as it's probably our most popular show with Carl. Well, I don't know. I think maybe a little, whatever. Everybody's pretty popular. The, uh, Carl has been talking about some some stuff that I would I would consider from the past, um, in terms of power generation, in terms of uh, where we thought we were going in the '60s, and where we thought we would be today. And to be perfectly blunt, we're not. Uh, I mean, when I was in high school uh, studying studying physics, taking physics, and I remember uh, our our guys. Uh, you did you did you take that crazy course, Space Tech and Society? Sure. Um, Eliani, we had a course. Yeah. The guys that they absolutely beat the crap out of. Sounds really cool. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. The, the guys they actually beat the crap out of were, <laughs> were the, were the aerospace engineers and probably the architects Boo. at Notre Dame. The architects a five year program and you never saw those guys. All you did was study. Right. And, uh, the aerospace was probably as bad, if maybe not worse, because they scrunched it into four years. Mm. Like Ohio State, it's a five year program and a lot of the places it is still. I mean, those guys, that's serious stuff these guys are learning. Well, they had kind of a uh, a, a relax-me class for, mm-hmm. like, seniors in that group called Space Tech and Society where they had guys who were, like, the head of NASA would, t- would, would be a professor for a few weeks, or former head, and a couple other guys who were major dudes. But they would just talk about policy and, and you know, airlines and, you know, how the, how the uh, uh, you know, CAB works, how the, uh, what's the, what's the uh, guys that investigate crashes, uh, Kevin, the uh, F, F something something, uh, those guys, how they all work, and they would they would go to was in Washington Hall, and you'd you'd what you'd fly paper airplanes from the from the second balcony and see how good you were with the paper airplanes, mm-hmm. crazy stuff. Well, of course, everybody finds out about it, right? That it's like an A course, right? So the entire school signs up, and uh, the, because Notre Dame had such a huge ROTC presence, they thought it was like a PR class, so they let everybody take it. <laughs> So I, I of course take it where everybody else, but all our, all our buddies, Kevin, I guess was the only guy ever at class taking notes, right? So, let's just say we, all, let's just say we all got A's and uh, there was only one of us there. <laughs> and our buddy Slim was pissed because he got an A minus. He never, he never saw the place. How can I only get an A minus? Slim, you were never there. I, anyway. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, Slim. <laughs> anyway, but I mean, if you, if you listen to those guys, by the time, we we are our age, Kevin, and all these guys are long dead. We would have had nuclear reactors. We, we, there was something called. They even had a place for it. Wasn't it supposed to go in Kentucky somewhere or Tennessee? There was something called a a breeder reactor where you would take all your spent nuclear crap, basically, Eliani, hmm. send it down there, and they and, and they do something to it where it came out as fresh fuel. Well, that's cool. So it was, a, it was a total, you know, and, and, and Carl talks about some other type of. Uh, it's not it's not fusion, but what is it, Kevin? He's talking about with the, the different. You don't use your enemy as something else, and there's virtually nothing. That that was part that was on a drawing. I think it was the flux capacitor, but I'm not sure. I think it was too. And uh, <laughs> but, but now all of a sudden, 
Well, I don't know about that. But 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 all of a sudden, here we are. All of a sudden. What, what, where everybody's like, what are we going to do? Germany, what are we going to do? We turned our nukes off. We did this. And all of a sudden, we're, we got Russian oil coming in. Surprise! Yeah, what, you know, what the <laughs> hell are we doing? So, I, mean, I guess, Kevin, what is the, what in your opinion, because you talk to more people in the class and stuff than I do, what is your opinion if all this were to, like, start up again? Are we, are we talking about 10 years to get a permit for a place, for another reactor, or what, are we talking about... People continually lawsuit. Not in my backyard. Can't go anywhere. Uh, which you know, I, where are we? Does anybody even know what the hell we're talking about when we talk about a nuclear reactor? Does any? They've been out of the news for two decades. and even know that they're still here. I mean, where do you where do you think the population is on any of this stuff? Uh, I, I think now, if you were to bring up nuclear power, uh, you would probably find that the population is not as sensitized to it um, in, in any negative way as it was 20 or 30 years ago when we were making movies about meltdowns um, and, and such. Um, you know, it, it, it's changed how we handle the waste. has changed. It's You know, it's all so different now. Um, wait a minute, wait a minute. still don't have I, a waste I think right. we, we, would have, we would have some people who would be zealously uh, protesting it but I sort of suspect that uh, if we were willing to make the investment that we would have a chance. The problem is that you know that, that we have this mentality that we need to cut off fossil fuels now and that'll force us to do uh, uh, to get to uh, renewables and I, I, I just think I think that's folly. I talked about that Last week, I think, when we talked about how how, how do you fuel the investment? Uh, uh, no pun intended. Um, and the, the way you do that is by taking the profitability of uh, fossil fuels now and using some of that to fuel the growth industry, which is. And uh, and and uh, Dan might have talked about that too. I think he mentioned Florida Power and Light as yeah, an he did. A company that's doing that. Um, that you you know you, the the business model for this and the strategic model that has been used forever uh, is is that you take your cash cow profits and you use them to fuel your your growth uh, products and and we're no different uh, but instead what we're trying to do is we're trying to kill the cash cows and then just force the growth products to happen and I don't think that's a, a wise way to spend the money now where nuclear fits into that I'm not sure. Other than the idea that it, uh, that if we've you know assuming we have made it safer and more viable than ever before, um, it, it seems to be like something we should be doing, doesn't it? Well, it does. I uh, but I, I but I don't know what what would it take. Say we don't even need a new spot. What would it take for somebody to get Zion running again? I mean, it, I, don't, I don't, I've never read, read anything about that. That is our. When I say our... Is Zion down now? Is that offline? It's been down for... I, I, I don't even know. I'm going to no, no, say, no, Kevin, it is, our, is, it is our youngest nuke. It must have had some kind of design problem or something. I don't think that thing was running for five to ten years. It's been, it's been down for 25, 30 years just sitting up there. That thing hasn't run and Taking up space. Taking yeah. up space, huh? Well, I mean, and plus it would be... A spot. <laughs> I mean, if you're ever going to put one, you already got one there, right? I mean, I don't know if the people around there would want the thing turned on again, but 
mean, well, I, but is it usable is the question. Is it usable or is it a tear down and rebuild on the same site? Well, you would think that you could, some of it would be good. God, I hope, I mean, unless... If, yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I don't know, know enough either. about the technology. That's my next question. Do we even have any nuclear engineers around to get build on these things? I, mean, I know we have them for, for uh, aircraft carriers and such, but, uh, it, it, you know, can we... Would we? I don't. I don't tell you what. In the Chicago area, uh, Mayor Daly asked me this question years ago, and he was still mayor. Well, what if? Why, why aren't we building railroad cars here? And I said, Well, Mayor, there's nobody here left on. I, I don't know, Kevin. If I put a an ad out tomorrow for five railroad engineers and fifteen tool and die makers and forty welders, does anybody show up? What about? Okay, so who's who in the world is using nuclear power a lot? Um. Well, Allegheny Energy, it was that was bought by ComEd. It was probably the best at it. Who, who elsewhere in the world? Uh, France. France. Yeah. And uh, Germany used to. I don't know who else. So we go talk to the French. Talk uh, to but French I mean, what, engineers. I guess the question we is... We learn to speak a funny language. Well, I guess the question is, when's the last time the French actually built one? Are theirs, are theirs all 40 years old, too? 50? I don't think so. I think they have uh, they have some newer stuff in their arsenal. Really? Well, I mean that, that would be the way. Yeah. I mean, I but I uh, you, you know you lose this uh, you lose this stuff basically. I mean, I, but I mean, do we do we have is is it what you, what you're really saying is uh, there's there's a good chance that we've also let the expertise atrophy so that we we really don't uh, we we we're a, we're an even longer way to pulling it off because we, we have to develop the talent first. And that may be true. Well, one of the, uh, I just got one, I, I, it's buried because I get so many of these stupid things from uh, the Quora Digest people. Uh, somebody asked something in there about, you know, what, what did we do during World War II in terms of production? And the guy said, well, the war was only really three and a half years, right? Which isn't very long. And, uh, well, I guess it is if you're if you're one. It's a long time to four and a half. But when you when you get up there, it's not very long, right, Kevin? Uh, well, I mean, right now we're talking about twelve years. Maybe I'm exa- exaggerating. Ten years to do the Jane Byrne interchange. You know, well, th- this guy somebody answered the uh, the Core Digest thing, and uh, he took like five items, and he talked about Liberty ships, airplanes, some Navy ships, and I don't know what else, but. He took in a bullet was it was it tanks and in the, in the space of like a year and a half we're we're, we're doing a liberty ship every thirty days or and and, and they're the, from from uh, start to finish and we're we're doing like four a day i mean uh, i mean some combination of uh i mean I, I bet the the plants weren't as safe as we'd like some people probably got hurt that the you know that we wouldn't like so much today uh and Hoover Dam was built in you know what three uh Three and a half years. The Golden Gate Bridge was was. I mean, we're talking well, about um, how how quickly in 2020 did we um, shift production over to producing ventilators? It's a small, a relatively small example, and actually, it was a waste of time. But um, but you know, how how quickly did we get different industries shifted over? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's as complex of a product, but very quick, very quick. Yeah, it's there. The capability is there with the with the right motivation. Um, we, we haven't we haven't completely lost our fast. But I guess my here. question is: Are we just are we ten- we're just too busy with we're just too enamored of the curveball? How's that? Well, but are, but are we are we if we decide you know we could really use you know not a five hundred we could use ten more nuclear reactors. Is is it ten years before we break ground? Fifteen years? 
Are we talking about twenty years from now? You turn the thing. I, mean, I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. I don't. I don't know the. You know, I, I, I'm sure it's ten years before it would be online. So the question is, how long does it take to get to break ground? I, and I think that's a good question. You know, what's the, what are what are the obstacles going to be? Who's going to be throwing them up there? Are we going to do like we've done on on pipelines? Are we get, you know we're going to lurch back and forth every time there's a new administration? Uh, because that's going to gum up the works. Sure. Uh, and, and even on coal. Uh, when when they they there were f- uh, three coal plants within the city limits, although one of them was you know a foot a foot inside the city limits on the lake south side. Uh, you had Pilsen, you had uh, the Pulaski plant, and you had the one down on, on uh, right right by the border of Indiana. And uh, now the old, one of the oldest the oldest one in the city was the Pilsen plant, which actually had some incredible innovations in producing electricity. Uh, Interesting story, Kevin. Well, here, real quick, when I was in telling stories this morning, for some reason, uh, they had a, the, the the flywheel in the place that would, would turn and make the electricity, well, you know, the magnets and everything. The flywheel uh, was specially made by GE, and I think if you go to GE's headquarters in New York, they have a piece of the flywheel. Sam Insull, who, in addition to being a total sleazeball, was actually a pretty genius engineer who was head of Commonwealth Edison. Uh, he he told Camel Tess that he would pay for the for the flywheel, uh, and uh, and even if it didn't work, he would he would pay for the cost because she didn't think it would work. It was too big. And here's here was the deal: it was so big that when it turned, the edge of it was going to be faster than the speed of sound. It was going to break the sound barrier. And uh, they thought the thing would shatter apart, but it didn't. And so th- thought it wouldn't, and it didn't. Uh, anyway, now when that plant was shut down. There was massive environmental concerns about the three coal plants in the city limits, and if you looked at the pollution in those areas, Pilsen, the Hispanic area, and so forth. Now, what I, what I read, though, Kevin, was that the investment to bring them up to pollution standards, and I don't know anything about pollution standards, was, say, $100 million or some, some number like that. Now, my question is, if somebody would have said, screw it, I'm keeping it open, I'm spending the $100 million to clean this place up, does does that get you to a spot that everybody's happy with, or, or no? I mean, how how when they say it's under today's standards, is it clean enough, or is somebody going to say, maybe rightly, that it needs to be even cleaner? I'm, I, in other words, th- these these types of things is anybody is there is there are people agreeing on this stuff? Not agreeing? I mean, could if you fix it today, are people bitching at you tomorrow? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I have no idea where that is, but clearly, some. Well, I, I think I, I think the. Answer. The answer is, if, if I were a betting man, I'd say, yeah, somebody's going to be bitching about it. <laughs> well, I mean, are, are, is there... And, and and the thing is, that, that when you do, then you can tie things up in the courts. And that's, you know, that that's really where we get stuck, is uh, everything gets tied up in court, and that's why it drags on so long. So, you know, what, what are we going to do? Um, what's, what's policy? <laughs> well, here's here's what... Here's how, and you say to yourself, "What are these? What are these two idiots talking about this morning? Why does this affect me?" I'll, I'll tell you how it affects you, because when the CBOE building was built, which of course they've moved out of, which it's another whole show, but uh, when the CBOE building was built, it was designed in such a way it was designed essentially as a trading fort, and uh, it was a one single purpose building. And at that time, there were no other places to trade options. Well, there really were no other tra- places to trade options. 
The MX, I guess, might have been open, but it was a little, you know, whatever. So the CBU is going to be the state of the art. And at the time, Kevin, the, the, the city of Chicago had, I believe, the highest rating of any city in the U.S. in terms of reliability of electric power. And the CBOE, despite that, even though it's a smaller building, if you look at it, on two sides of the building had two totally separate inputs from the electrical grid. One was from the south side, which I had to believe is from the Pilsen plant, and one was from the north side. So you could have the entire grid of one side of the city out, and the CBOE would still be okay. Now, yep. I see that with data centers all the time. Well, as, but as time went by, uh, and, I, and they must have been thinking about closing the Pilsen thing or whatever, this starts to degrade, degrade, degrade. So finally, when I was on the board in the, in the 90s, Ed Joyce, who was the uh, president of the place at the time, what, well, he was the vice president, he said, you know, we, we probably should put a generator on the roof, which essentially they put a locomotive on the roof. They had to shore up the building a little bit. Uh, and they put a locomotive up there, and they had to hoist it up there on a weekend. And just for emergency purposes. Well, two years later, every time you get a hot day, the the, the, the uh, Camel Edison calls up and say, "How about turn? How about turning your generator on? Uh, not only to heat to air condition your place, we need some in the grid." So the degradation, Kevin, over the last twenty five, thirty years. Anybody who thinks you that you can't that you can turn all these places off and not have some degradation. I mean, you're out of your friggin' mind. I mean, how do you? How do you? Well, and, and that's 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 twofold too, because it it, it may be that uh, you know our generating capacity has degraded, but it's uh, there's also the equal uh, um, force of the I- I- increased demand uh, because we we keep coming up with new devices that need power. Well, I mean, right now, of it. right now the system is, and you know, nobody's going to think this way. It's my old my old Pullman guys telling me. If everybody, if we we sold four hundred thousand electric cars in the city, and everybody plugged them in at one in the morning to four in the morning, nobody'd give a crap, right? Because if the nuclear power is going at night, I mean, there's, there's they're, they can't give it away at night. If everybody decides to plug it in, which of course, if you got your air conditioning on and stuff, your electric car is going to go degrade a lot faster in terms of power. If everybody decides to plug them in at twelve o'clock on a hundred degree day, that's a problem, and you can't tell me it's not. That's a big problem. Just saying. It, it is a huge problem, and then what happens if you live in California where they already have a problem with rolling brownouts, yeah. and now everybody gets an electric car and has to plug it in at some time or another? Well, they're, they're going to end up going with a system, I would I would guess, because, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm hot on this topic. I paid my electrical bills last night for placing the building. <laughs> so, so you're all wound up Well, you, it, guess what? I got, a, I got a, a $68 bill for an apartment. Guess how much the electricity charge was before the taxes? Uh, out of sixty-eight, um, probably thirty bucks. Seventeen. That's three taxes. Seventeen. These guys—they're they're to the point where they don't care. I, I could put a—I could put you know whatever a, a massive windmill on the place and some solar power with all the batteries and God knows what else, which the, which would piss my neighbors off to no end. They don't care. The bill would still be fifty-five, Kevin, or fifty-three. We've let these. Unless you just completely unplug from it. Well, but how do you do that? I mean, if you could, if you could go with a totally independent power source. Yeah, but I mean, I, but so everybody's going to want the ability at one point to to plug in, right? I mean, uh, well, you, you just have to you have to give your uh, renters a break to get up there and pedal the uh, bicycle that generates the power. Um. So I can do that I, you, know, you, you, you rent, you pay your rent, plus you got to do an hour on the roof. God. Kids, too. 
kids too. I like dog too. It's a little especially the kids. Yeah, get that dog. You know, it'd be like the uh, the Jetsons. You know, yeah. you take your dog for a walk on the treadmill. Well, you know, we're not that far from that. Dane, stop this crazy thing. So, uh, all right, who do you? Uh, all this crazy goings on with the Fed and everything. What, what do you make of this? You're an out, a guy from the outside. Is this a sucker's rally? Because if, obviously, if bonds are going down every day, uh, um, they're all suckers' rallies. You think so? Um, hey, look. You figure every time every time there's a rally, it's a, it, it's that you missed an opportunity to buy the dip. Well, that's 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 essentially what the word is, right? How could it not be the word? It's been that way for a long time. I mean, this was this is a, an amazing rally. We we left so much room to the upside and. And I've got buried calls. I mean, uh, you know, today it'll be a little less buried if we stay here, but, uh, you know, eventually catch them. Uh, we always do. Not always, but most of the time. Uh, but I mean, it's, I mean, we're, we're up, we're, we're up like seven, eight, nine percent in like a week and a half. Well, with bonds going down every day. I mean, well, what, what, it's, it's crazy stuff, Kevin. It's great. I mean, people are convinced. I mean, if, if, if the economy loses the market by any stretch, 10, 15, 20, 30 percent, I don't know. Where's the wealth index going to go? This, is, I, I, I think, and you heard me probably say yesterday, I think the inflation now is worse than at any time during the 70s and 80s. You think I'm bonkers for the, on that? I know you think I'm bonkers. No, I, I, actually, I actually don't think you're bonkers. Um, I think every time we report 7%, we're not reporting, we're reporting 7% over a year ago when inflation was high and, and not reported. Um, but in addition to that, um, if you took the uh, month over month and multiply it by twelve, you're looking at a really big number, and nobody wants to talk about that number. No, well, you know, how, how do we? I mean, you're 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 a guy who teaches this kind of stuff. How all of a sudden, when we report inflation? Because I remember when we did this. But when you reported inflation back in back in Dud Day, and and you had a, I say a point eight uh, increase in August over over July. You sit there and you go, okay, what's point eight times twelve? That's our inflation rate, right? Well, now they're 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 taking this year over year. But again, Kevin, you got to be careful what you do. Everything's going to turn around, and bite you in the ass. If you do it this way, and you count, you know, the the, the year ago, like you say, and you're walking this up slow, what are you going to do someday if if we end up having to get you know interest rates at ten percent or something to fight this? And now all of a sudden, the inflation really is getting squeezed out. Are you still going to use this year-over-year number? Because it's going to show you're not doing very good at your fighting. Um, what are you going to do someday? Well, that's a problem for someday, not for today. It's that's, a problem for... That's the way they look at it. <laughs> it's My a problem motto. Now, it's so political. It's not just an economic issue. It's a political issue. And the political issue is put the best face on it that you can right now. And uh, and and hope to God you can weasel your way out of it later too. Okay. Uh, does your team that you've been talking about the two upset team are they going to win another one? They didn't look bad. Oh, I, I doubt it. <laughs> what are you I playing? doubt it. But 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 on the other hand, I I, I think the uh, Seton Hall head coach is expected to be uh, um, hired by Maryland uh, this week, and the coach of St. Peter's. Uh, um, Shaheen Holloway is a Seton Hall alumnus, so I expect he earned himself a, uh, a job at his alma mater. Now uh, he'll be the front runner for it. And the cool thing about that is St. Peter's in, is in North Jersey, Seton Hall is in North Jersey. He ain't even going to have to move. God, well that's that's that's, <laughs> that's pretty. All right, Kevin, take care of yourself. Talk to you on Friday. SP Futures 
down 21. NASDAQ futures down 111. Be right back, Ms. Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's some Little more pay stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Hout. She's Eliane on the board. SP Futures down 20 bucks. NASDAQ Futures down 107. Uh, individual stocks on the move today. We've got GameStop. Is up fifteen seventy four to 138.88. Uh, evidently, the chairman bought some stock last night. I've got, I've got the uh, PE ratio here is minus forty seven. They're thinking by twenty twenty five they might actually make a profit. Uh, I can't wait to buy some of this stuff, Russell. What do you think? Well, I think uh, that my kid's college fund is doing very well today because that is one hundred percent of it right there. I can only imagine. Uh, you having a, 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 a concentrated issue in GameStop. I, actually, I can't imagine that. <laughs> well, I'm, su- I'm sure I'll get an undergrad question about it today. But, uh, you, what, what, Does who, this mean they're back? Who, who are you? Uh, what, what do these guys even do? What? GameStop. Oh, they're little retail stores that you go buy video games at. Yeah. You know, that's how everybody gets oh, those are the, Those are those guys. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who is who is a retail? Who is retail stores at four years from now? You think are going to be still even around? Let alone, oh well, god! It, it, we're talking about a space where you think all of the, all of their customers would never leave their basement, but um, you'd be surprised. Apparently, sometimes they venture out into the sunlight to go buy a new gamer chair or something like that. I guess I haven't been. 
I don't think I've actually ever been in a GameStop. They seem to be everywhere, like in second-tier strip malls. GameStops are I've also... I've walked by a bunch of them. They're kind of cool, too, because you can also, like, it's... Because you can also, you know, you can get things that are, like, you know, readily available on the market online as well, but you can also buy, like, vintage things at GameStops as well. There's also, it's a really cool, like, trading post for, for gamers, and it's it's such a big like esports is such a big 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 venue now that people are actually making quite a bit of money doing so that's why things like that still exist so well i, I actually uh i'm vintage what's yes you are <laughs> but it's, it's i guess put you in a box Eliane, it's, it's stunning to me that uh retail i always have an amazing amount of respect for retail because it's it's a really really tough business oh yeah for a long period of time i used to and do retail when your margins are just they're just okay. You know, even if you're good, they're sort of just okay. Yeah. So whenever a retailer comes on the market and all of a sudden it's the, it's the new whatever, the new solution to the world's problems, and they're trading in 90 bazillion, I mean, because the, the adaptation of your competition is so fast. People are so clever. When I'm looking here, uh, this is uh, the NASDAQ site. Mm. And I'm, not, I'm not telling anybody to short this thing. It might double. Who the hell knows? I don't know anything. Uh Two twenty two thousand and twenty two actual PE uh, minus twenty seven. Two thousand twenty three minus twenty seven. Two thousand twenty four minus forty three. Two thousand and twenty five estimates positive point one two. So let's say they're going to break even in two thousand twenty five. What, what what is the rush to buy something like that? I don't, what, what what do we think is going to happen here, Russell? I mean, what, what am I missing? I have no idea, other than. There's a core group of people that like to pile in together and then pile out and then jump out together. And I'm assuming every single kid that uses Robinhood that's in one of my classes has GameStop as one of the stocks that they're uh, you know, that they're watching all the time. Oh, probably, yeah. So I mean, I, you know what? I, I'll put it in. If, if I, you know, was still trading and had, and put together, you know, like a, a big monitor to, to watch things the way that I like to watch things, I would probably put GameStop really close to cryptocurrencies on my screen. Well, that's my, whenever so I, yeah. you, you know, you've got, you got very little of, of nothing other than hoping somebody else comes in and buys it behind you. Hmm. Uh, they used to be called the greater fool theory? It, it, well, I, I was you. I, I wonder if there's a recording of this somewhere. But I, I did a uh, I did, for Indiana Public Radio. I did a, a like a roundtable thing on cryptocurrencies. It was me, which you are. I like how you call me a professor because I'm kind of have one foot on each side, and then two other pure academic guys. And you know, I the, you know the, the host said, "Well, why would you buy these things? Why would you buy a cryptocurrency?" And the other two guys started talking about how Bitcoin would be a medium of exchange and all these other fundamental reasons. And they got to me, and I said, "Greater fool theory." That people like Bitcoin's not going to become the global medium of exchange, and that you buy it because you think the price is going to go up, and that you're going to be able to sell it, you know, at a higher price. That's the only motivation behind the true motivation behind buying it. And there are certain stocks like that. And GameStop is way up on the list, along with I guess AMC. Is that the other big meme stock? Yeah. Uh, and the and the meme stock trend kind of stopped there. The third market was going to be silver, and the, uh, the the bros didn't realize it. First off, they totally telegraphed they were going to try to squeeze silver, 
And then secondly, they didn't realize that uh, there were lots of different ways to trade silver, and it traded in a lot of different venues, and they weren't going to be able to muscle it up like they did those two stocks. And then the whole movement fell apart. Um, yeah, it's, well, it wasn't uh, BlackBerry was on there for a while too, right? Yeah, they. It, I talk about short interest early in, in the investments course I teach, and that one was way up on the list of uh, with high short interest as well, if I remember. Well, as we as you know, on the, as yeah. you know on the show, hopefully the listeners keep up. Sometimes we flip from you know theory to trading and so forth. And I, I have a if 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 I ever thought you know I, I don't do that, we don't do that much research in individual stocks because uh, I trade indexes for most of my people. Um, a lot of people bring in stock, okay, and you end up dealing with mm-hmm. individual stocks. But just by and large, uh, now again, this this is correct me here because I, you know, I'm going to come at this as more like a trader than I am an investor, okay. But even though mm-hmm. my investor people, my my instinct is always as a trader. If if I am smart enough to see some stock trading for fifty bucks that basically isn't worth a crap, and I short it, which of course just because you think it's not worth much. And you short it, uh, doesn't mean like everybody else is going to figure it out that afternoon and the stock's going to close 40 that day, right? I mean, it could be forever. It could trade 100 before people figure it out. It's just assuming you're right. But say I am right. And I, and I, and I short like, you know, 5 million shares of I'm a Carl Icahn, I'm Daddy Warbucks. And all of a sudden the thing goes down and it's going to 40 and it's 30, it's 20, it's 15, it's, and all of a sudden it's trading like five hours. Why am I still short it? Just to prove a point? So I go on TV. What 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 when I to zero. What what would possess me to 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 be the same size for the last five bucks I was at fifty? I mean the trader in me says no, especially when you're shorting something. I mean, uh under yeah. no circumstances should you really be doing that. Well I mean some of these stacks were we're trading two and three and four bucks. And the short interest is, you know, nine zillion. What possess mm. any you, you let me get this straight. I can make three, I could lose infinite. Where, where does that right. become a good trade, Russell? By by any sense of and, it, and especially when you get to when you get to like a three or four dollar stock, it doesn't take a whole lot to have if you're short from there to have a hundred percent loss. Right. You know, I mean, it's, uh, those stocks those stocks start to disconnect even more from reality than you know a thirty or forty dollar stock that you think the fundamentals are deteriorating on. So, what would possess me to do that? Um, maybe to get to go on CNBC, maybe to, uh, you know, when you report your positions to your, to your clients, you're able to say, hey, look at what our big short position is. That's that went from 40 to 5. Well, I, uh. Yeah, I really, that, that's, that, there is that part of the mentality. Uh, that was part of my, part of my dissertation actually was, was that, that mentality, uh, when that, the manager of communication with clients and what they want to show clients. And, Normally, for, for a traditional money manager, it's loading up on names that either you can't be blamed for owning or that have done really good in the last quarter. Look at how smart I was. Well, yeah. I own this stock. Well, you know, it's, there, uh, there's a reason for that, Russell. Uh, and I hesitate to, well, I'm not going to hesitate. I always tell the truth. But has, uh, if you, if you, you don't do as much talking to clients as I do. Uh, no. and it's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's something I would never yeah. want to do professionally. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's interesting. You meet a lot of real nice people. You meet a lot of real smart people that have made money in a lot of different industries. But the overwhelming uh, bane of the retail trader 
and I'll say this goes back to a study they did. I, I don't know if I still have it somewhere. If I did, I'll dig it out for you. Uh, the University of Chicago re- regarding mutual funds. This is in 1971, long before I got there. And the idea was that the last thing you want to do is to constantly shift your money into the guy who had the hot year last year. Oh, gosh, yeah. And yet, <laughs> and yet every, every, virtually every retail client, not every, but I mean, you're going to find people, well, the guys that are really into it themselves, that are watching TV and stuff all day, the, the guys that are like retired doctors, you know, good luck with that because they're real smart as doctors and assume that they're just going to be just as smart as investors. And some are, some aren't. Uh, but they all want to be in whatever is going up and they want to get rid of everything that's going down. And, and that is just, that's over a long period of time, that's, that's just suicide. Yeah. You, I can't, my, my favorite line is, I wish we could trade last year's market, but we can't. We have to trade this year's market, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, people want to be in. They, they, people are buyers is going up and are sellers because it's going down. My grandfather was a immigrant from Italy, became a master boiler maker, and he loved the market. Absolutely loved the market. You know, it's small, 100 shares of this, 100 shares of that. One thing he told me is don't, don't ever be afraid to leave a little something for the next guy. So if I, ro- I ride this thing down from 50 to 5, and it's going to go to zero. Why don't I let somebody else get the other five bucks? Just saying. Well, what, what's the point? There, there is. A, I, I totally agree. I mean, you you really mentality wise, you should approach the positions that you have. I mean, I know there's tax implications and much other things, but uh, you know, at the very at the very top of the list of things to think about is you know, is this something that I would be willing to short from five to zero, even though you've already ridden it from fifty to five. Well, it becomes it yeah, becomes. Your, I mean, you should. You know, there should be a fresh approach uh, periodically to to what your positions are, and you have to say, is this something that I would do right now? Well, and you end up. There are very there are very few five dollars stocks that I would be willing to try to take a short short position on just because of what you said with respect to the uh, risk reward of a short position. The only time you would is if you actually knew. I don't know how you would know this, but sometimes people are non-believers. I mean, I uh, <laughs> there have been stag. Well, Fanny and Freddie, they're still trading, right? They're not working yeah. anything, are they? Oh gosh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm worked at a fund back uh, just before the previous financial crisis, uh, where we were big time short uh, Fannie Mae, and that was not working particularly well. <laughs> It, 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 that stock, it was like, it defied gravity. They weren't even reporting earnings for a while because things were such a mess. But I think the, the government backstop thing that everybody believed in, uh, kept, held the stock up relative to the fundamental. Well, absolutely. And then they, then they, they, yeah. they weaseled on the backstop. Uh, you know, crazy stuff. What, what, uh, all right, I gotta ask you, what, what do you make of, uh, if you listen to CNBC, you would swear the stock the stocks are in a free fall, with the Fed going to be point, and yet they're going exactly the opposite direction. And last week, the Fed put forty five forty four billion dollars on the balance sheet, all the while sound, allegedly sounding hawkish. What, what's going on? Are they giving their buddies one last chance to get out, or? or, or uh, I think maybe the people that do the bond buying haven't gotten the memo yet. Well, the bonds, the bonds, the last three days have gone straight down. Oh, I know, I know, but that's—I mean, generally, that's what, when they're adding things to their balance sheet. That's what they're doing. Well, right. 
Yeah, so that, and that's what I was saying is that uh, the guy at the Fed that uh, he hasn't gotten a memo that he's not supposed to be buying bonds anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I, or, I, or I, but, you know, uh, yeah. The thing is, you know, wait, I'm, I'm right in the middle of both my graduate, and my undergraduate class talking about inflation relative to interest rates, and you know, right, right there in both levels of material is inflation is one of the main drivers of interest rates. And, uh, and and then I have to explain, as it should be, unless you know there's a very large entity behind the scenes that's trying to manage things that is causing the relationship between inflation and interest rates to disconnect. And that's what the Fed's doing. What? Uh... I, I, I mean, that, that's why we're in the... And at some point, you know, if you're trying to... Force, you know, if you're if you're butting your head with uh, economic forces, eventually it's going to catch up with you. And don't don't tell me any entity is too big for it to you know not eventually catch up with them. You know, Google Soros and Bank of England. Well, you know, uh, I mean, it's, but but the thing is, you've got to be dead on with that timing if you're going to be Soros and the Bank of England. All right, I'm gonna I'll go, I'll go before before Russell's time. When I when I first started Ooh. when I first started on the trading floor, which uh, 1981, say, um, there were people in the in the it, you had you had uh, countries, big countries, uh, that were trying to defend currencies. Currencies was a big deal moving around because we just come off gold standards, what not that long ago. So people had an idea of where their their uh, the dollar versus the yen, where this stuff was supposed to trade. And, and once in a while, the Fed would act up and do something. Um, but the, the the joke on the trading floor, the geniuses were actually the guy that I uh, really the smartest guy I ever met. Marty, well, maybe one of the top two or three, Marty O'Connell. I'm sure you remember that name. Uh huh. And uh, Marty's a great guy, and Marty was a you know where he has he has MBA from Chicago and his law degree from Stanford or something. So we're not talking about some dumb dumb. And he would say like nobody's too big, nobody's too big. I mean, mm-hmm. and, we'd, and we'd see the the Bank of Japan say the 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 yen is getting. Uh, getting clobbered, and all of a sudden they'd they'd, they'd bring in they'd, they'd spend you know whatever three billion dollars to buy the yen that day from their dollar reserves, and at the end of the day the yen's still down, so they basically got their ass kicked on their trade, right? Cause, <laughs> because I mean, and they would say they're protecting it, but basically they made a bad trade, right? <laughs> they just lost yeah. God knows what, and so traders know that it's just a trade, and it was a bad trade, but because they're the government, it's somebody else's money, it's okay, so. The idea was that you know even the Fed, no matter what it is, the market was bigger than anybody, and that was that was that was you know I mean especially if you're a Chicago boy, I mean that that was the uh, the mantra. I mean that was your belief, mm-hmm. that was your Bible, and yet I don't think if I would have said to those guys in those days over over a beer at brokers and said, right, let me tell you something, there's going to be a Fed that no matter what you do, no matter how much you think they're losing. They're willing to commit nine trillion dollars to basically kick in your ass, and the more and the more you push them, the more they print. What do you suppose they'd have looked at me and said? I think you've had too much to drink. They would have to. Have. I mean, the, these guys—you can't fight these guys. I mean, I mean, I mean, right now, Russell, I'm going to expand on what you just said a little bit. When you talk to your class, I would say. The, the idea, I'm not talking about 30-year rates because nobody knows where things are going to go, it's no. speculation. But right now, this year, for somebody to lend $100,000 to somebody at 
whatever that is, one and a half percent or one and three quarters, you're out of your friggin' mind because you're going to get back money that's only worth ninety thousand. Yeah. For one year, I mean, does any does anybody rational think that the that the uh, inflation for the next year is not going to be ten percent minimum? I don't think they believe that right now. Yeah. I, I I agree with you. I I totally I, I, mean, I totally think we're going to see double digit inflation. We're going to see it probably by mid summer. Okay, well, call it eight. Um, call it eight. Say I'm wrong. I but mean, a, I, and the difference between eight and ten isn't all that much relative to where we've been. Um, and then you just start, you know, after we do a full year cycle, if we continue with above five percent inflation by itself, that's when it really starts to bite people. But to go back to my. The Japanese uh, government, years where you you know you get maybe a four or five percent raise, but uh, you've lost fifteen to twenty percent of purchasing power over a two year period. Well, what that, would you know, and, and, and we'll get to that point. We definitely will get to that point. There's no there's no stopping that because there's so much cash out there. But what and would have happened uh, for a place to go? What would have happened to the to the Mario Canals of the world sitting around having their beard brokers if when the Japanese government came out? And, uh, and and bought yen, and the market decided that yen was going down that day. And at the end of the day, the, the the Japanese government just put you know fifty billion dollars in and just ran over the guys that just that were quote the market, and they did that like forever, to the point where the yen is at a spot where nobody knows why it's there, but it's there. And boy, if you try and move it. You know, you're going to get stuck where the sun don't shine. Because that's essentially what the Fed's been doing to people for a long time now, right? I mean, yeah, and the, and yeah, the Bank of Japan's been doing the same thing, and, yeah. and they're and to an extreme relative to the Fed, where they're the biggest holders of some of the ETFs, equity ETFs in Japan. Um, so they've created this artificial demand, and they've been creating this artificial demand for like a decade. Uh, but they. But they haven't been doing it in a parabolic type way like the Fed has. And anything that's ever, anything that ever occurs in a, in a parabolic type manner, which, you know, like internet stocks in the 90s yep. or, or any other financial asset, uh, that type of momentum is never sustainable. And it's not something that any entity could maintain. Uh, it, it's really not a case of, um, if we're going to have to, you know, if we're all going to end up having to pay the price for this thing, it's just when's it going to happen? Uh, and you've got to, and I think folks like you and me that have been around for a while and know that uh, something like this, you know, that, that we're looking at a financial reckoning at some point, we're just not sure when. Uh, if you're trying to trade it through putting a bunch of shorts on, uh, eventually you get exhausted with trying to do that. Well, I, like I, I, I have. Yeah, being <laughs> right, yeah, there are a lot of people that were right. Hell, I was at a hedge fund at, where we were down thirty percent because we were a year early and levered all off short housing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back easy, in two thousand seven, I, I mean, I lost my lost my job. Sometimes I have to tell you the whole thing about it, but I basically lost my job the first day of an NCAA tournament in two thousand and seven. I just know because we went to the bar and. Got really drunk and watched basketball, and then I got to, went home and said, "Hey, honey, guess what happened today?" Um, but uh, yeah, I just I, I will always recall that experience with respect to being very I mean very right, but our timing was really wrong. 
Well, you're, you're always you right. I, I, you and I, what, we're, what we talk about on an irregular basis here with respect to inflation, what the Fed's been doing, and there being an eventual comeuppance, come we're right, but, you know, there's being right, and then there's making money being right. There are a lot of people that have been right with this opinion uh, that uh, may not even be in the industry anymore because, it's too you know, they, they, their timing was off. Well, the... Uh this, this, the simplest, if, if you were to go back, if, you know, if it's 10 years from now, we got to fast forward, and we were talking to, you know, somebody in heaven or if there's such a place. Uh, hopefully it won't be 10 years, but a lot longer than that. But the, uh, if you were to say, well, gee, how did, in, in 2000, and uh, where were you guys, 2021, 22? I know you had this COVID thing, but you, you're, you're talking about you're pouring all this money into the system. God, all you had to do was short bonds. This, the single most obvious trade I've, well, other than when I got in the business and the Dow was 800 and the interest rates were, were 13 and were starting to come off a little bit, the most, the most obvious trade then was to buy the market, but I would have, I bought it, had been buying it for a year and a half and was sort of tired, like you say. The single, yeah. single most obvious trade I've ever seen in the business is to short these bonds six months to a year ago. And yet there have been, what, seven or eight brutal rallies in the bonds out of nowhere that have to be all from the Fed that if, if you're still short bonds, I, I'm, I'm going to light a candle to you. How, how can you be without getting your ass kicked? But how, how exactly have these these brutal rallies, and when I say brutal, uh, sudden rallies in the bonds happened in the last six months where everybody knows where this is going? That should have been the easiest trade on earth, to short the bonds. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's not, like you say. It's, I mean, I've done it. I've probably shorted them 15 times. I'm probably I'm up on eight of them, and I've probably lost on mm-hmm. seven. I should be thirteen and two, and I'm not. Oh well. Yeah. No, you can you can be you can be fundamentally dead on, and there are lots of people that have been fundamentally dead on that, you know, are penniless because <laughs> their timing was off. And that's I mean that, that you've met, yeah, I in the years I've been on here, you've never heard me. Although I said I think about midsummer that inflation is going to get worse, but. Uh, uh, you rarely hear either of us give you a, you know, make a timing opinion on the macro fundamentals because that is really the I, I'm gonna I'm not even gonna say it's the hard part that is the almost impossible part because it they never it, it, it's it's like it's like Mrs O'Leary's cow yeah you know Chicago was a freaking tinderbox if you you know if if you thought, if you've been thinking about it, you probably could walk around and go, "Man, I sure hope that a fire doesn't start in this neighborhood because everything's made of wood and it's going to spread like crazy." Um, it, it's kind of the same thing here. We just don't know, you know, who's going to be tipping over the uh, uh, over the, the I gotta, lantern. I got. We got a couple the, of minutes. The thing, here thing I used to use when I used to outhouse. We got a lantern. Couple, we got a couple of minutes here before the break, so I'll I'll, I'll, I'll tell one of my, my other stupid stories. Uh, Russell, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Eliani will too, probably. Uh-huh. Uh, All right. When the long before Fast Money, right? Remember when the, the, there were sports writers on TV and it was a, it was a really good show mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Well, Doctor J and this other guy get the idea that we really should have is, is traders on TV. Traders, just you know, guys who are actual traders, talking about the market on the close a couple days a week for an hour from like four to five, right? Read options, you know, the option traders are fast money. See, it, it, it is the same show, cause the guy, Dylan Radigan came in and saw our show, and basically that's, uh-huh. that's where fast money came from. Anyway, so we're on a couple nights a week, and, uh, 
and uh, was on, was on, we did a one of the Weigel broadcasting, and we were doing it, so we were on a place in Joliet, and some, whatever, around a few places. So there's a couple of crazy, there's Dr. J and me, there's one guy whose dad owned a clearing firm at the CME, real nice guy, brilliant kid. Then there was another guy who was totally off the wall. He was a, a construction guy, his family had done construction, he built himself this big, huge three-story nice place, sold the other two places for more than the building, so he had this gorgeous condo for free. So he's trading his own money, and of course the, the old man croaks, so he's trading the family's money. And he's got, you know, we're talking seven figures, easy. Well, you know, 15 years ago, seven figures a lot of dough. So he yeah. he uh, he's sitting there, and he's he's got a total hair up his behind by this this tenant health care, which everybody knows the name. Matter of fact, I think they're in a doll, aren't they? No? Uh, I mean, he's, he's I don't a, know if they're uh, I, I think they are. If not, they're they, whatever. Uh, and he and he decides that these this thing is a huge short, right? So he uh, uh, actually they're not uh, they are not United Healthcare is in there. So he uh, he decides they're shorting this thing, and he's getting annihilated. He's shorting this thing at like forty five, forty eight. It's it's fifty two. It's fifty five. It's fifty eight. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden it's sixty five, and then the show kind of ended, and I never heard from the guy again. And I I think he blew through his money. I hope the family he didn't blow it a whole family's money. And I'm going to say a year later, whatever he saw in tenant healthcare, and I never really want to pay attention to him because I you know I didn't want to you know have any insider information or whatever it was. Whatever he saw there, that they were cooking the books or doing something or getting his government money and that they shouldn't have, I don't know. A year later, the thing is five hours. And I, I think the guy, I don't know, if he's still alive or he ran off a bridge somewhere or what. But, I mean, j- just an example of what you're talking about. Whatever, he, whatever mm-hmm. he, he dug up, and I think it had to do with some kind of regulatory or cash or something they did wrong. It wasn't just too high. It was something wrong with the company. and it, But it, it took... At least like a year to come out, and by the time it did, he was long gone. And uh, like you say, it, it, you know, timing is everything, right? It's uh, one of those. Mm-hmm. Th- SP futures up nine. I'm sorry, down nineteen fifty. Nasdaq futures down ninety nine. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. 
PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures not on twenty one seventy five. Again, we're down uh, reasonably heavy here, but uh, still we're up way more than that yesterday. Nasdaq Futures down one hundred seven. We've had this huge rally over the last five days, so. This is maybe a minor give back, and we could be even by the time the show's over. We've been, we've been that volatile. Um, we want to say Dow, uh, Dow futures. Let me get the Dow futures here. The Dow futures are are down 120. Uh, individual stocks in the Dow, nothing major. It was CVX, which, uh, Chevron, Texaco with the oil up uh, up a buck eighty. Individual stock, American Express down a buck thirty. Boeing down a buck. Uh, Boeing doesn't seem to uh, be doing too much. They, they allegedly found the uh, black box in that. Crash. I haven't read anything about it. Maybe maybe Russell has, but I was trying to dig into that last night, but hadn't read anything that they said what happened yet. Uh, anyway, over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 118.8%. FTSE up six. Uh, call that flat. CAC around down 58.9%. So the FTSE's the only one that's stemming the tide here. In Asia, big rallies though. Nikkei up 816, 3%. Shanghai up 11.3%. Hang Seng up 264. 1.2%. So they've gone from down from like 30% to maybe only down uh, 20 in the last year or so. The SoftBank group is up 7%, uh, which is a big big stack on the Nikkei. Uh, bonds, unchanged at 2.37, 10-year rate. Uh, blend unchanged at um, positive 0.49. Japan up up one basis point to 0.23. Oil, the big mover here this morning, up 236. 336, sorry. That's 112.63. That's a 3% move. Rent up 362 to 119.10. Natural gas up 9 cents, 527. Our, our bob up 6 cents at 339. Gold up 340. It was up a little more than that earlier. 1924. Silver up 16 cents, 2507. Gold seems to have found a home at least for a little while above 1900. We'll see if it stays there. Uh, copper up 3 cents, 473. And we've got crypto down 490. Bitcoin, that is. Down 490 to 42,0075. Well, Annie, what do you got for us? Traffic weather, sports, uh, weather is cloudy and wet. Yes, very much that. Hi guys, good morning. Currently 7.35 a.m. on March 23rd. Let's start with sports. Uh, looking at the NBA, Bulls lose the Bucks last night. Uh, massive loss, 98 to 126. Uh, look forward to the Suns playing the Timberwolves tonight at 7 o'clock. In hockey, Coyotes lose to Crack in two, uh, 2 to 4. And Blackhawks will be playing the Ducks tonight at 9 o'clock. 
Uh, like we just mentioned, in Chicago, it is very, very gray, very, very wet. Uh, currently 52 degrees with a high of 56, low of 41. Look forward to intermittent rain showers with some consistent rain tonight starting at 9 o'clock. Currently in, fin- in Phoenix, sunny 64 with a high of 81 and a low of 53. A uh, bit of mayhem on the highways this morning. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, starting eastbound on the Eisenhower, there's traffic between Highway 45 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290-94 construction intersect there. Uh, traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Independence and 9th. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy Expressway between North River Road and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on the Kennedy Expressway between Lawrence and Cumberland. There's traffic eastbound on the Edens between Tui and Canal Port due partially to an accident on Tui at Central and also due to a traffic signal flashing red at Wilson Avenue. Uh, traffic eastbound, um, sorry, westbound on the Edens between 130th and West North Avenue. More traffic northbound on the Stevenson between County Line Road and the I-90 West Ramp. We got traffic northbound on 57 between Route 83 and the 94 East Ramp due to an accident at Monterey Avenue. Then we have more traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 31st and East Grand. And finally, traffic southbound on Lakeshore between Chicago Avenue and East 18th Street. I am out of breath. <laughs> well, you got a lot, a lot of stuff going on there. you got uh, some serious traffic. Yeah. Say. The uh, uh, Russell, uh, I have a question for you. I talked about a little bit of this with Kevin, but I would like your sort of opinion. What, what happens, I don't know if you've uh, had the pleasure of listening to Carl the last few weeks, Susan, we're talking about alternative energy sources and and your and your bosom buddy today, Jamie Dimon, is uh, all over Biden now for a, an energy Marshall plan for uh, Europe. I'm sure he, he wants to lend him the money or something, probably, but who knows? Uh, my question is, what happens if your governor of Indiana uh, comes out today and in a flash of forward thinking, he says, "You know, here's the deal. Uh, one of the things we should do since." maybe foolishly, maybe not, we're all heading toward electric cars, and we're going to try and encourage people to charge these things up in the middle of the night. Indiana is going to now build three new nukes, and we're going to build the long-talked-about uh, breeder reactors, so all our spent nuclear fuel is going to go to there, but have no harm to the environment, it's going to come out as new fuel, and we want these things to be up and running in six years is this forward thinking, or is this the fart in church? What is this? Um, it's if <laughs> if you could get it approved, it's most definitely great forward thinking. And I do think in the I, I was listening. You guys were talking about it. I got strong opinions on nuclear. Um, it, it it's the it's the long term solution. It really is. And beyond the and first off, there are two nuclear reactors that are being constructed in the United States right now. Really, where? Which is the? Oh, uh, they're both. Uh, I think down in the Tennessee Valley area. Uh, the, they're labeled as Southern U.S., so I'm not exactly sure where they were on the list that I was looking at. Um, there are there's just either on the list. There's somewhere between fifty and a hundred being constructed in the world right now. But the big majority of them are being built in China, which just scares the crap out of me right off the bat. Well, is the, is the, is the TVA... And I don't want to totally change topics, but I think that Boeing plane that fell out of the sky, and I saw a picture of it just before the crash, it was, it looked like one of Elon Musk's um, rockets coming straight down. It, it, it literally fell out of the sky. Um, you know, they're going to try to blame Boeing, but 
you know, Boeing's not the ones that were doing the maintenance on the, the airline or on the plane. It was people that worked for the airline. So I think that's where you point the finger on that one. Um, but most of them are being, there's actually one being constructed in Russia, uh, several in China, one in South Korea. Um, it's, it, it really is the law. The, the problem is there are more of them being decommissioned than being built right now. Uh, like Germany decided to get rid of all of them at one of the worst possible times because now they're not going to be able to heat their homes with gas from, from Russia. Uh, if nuclear is done right, done very safely, it really could be the uh, energy solution for the whole world. Well, is anybody going to fire up this this feeder reactor? Otherwise, we have we have nuclear spent rides that are going to they're going to last us forever. We're still trying to put them in the what's the name of a mountain near Vegas. We're still trying to ship them out, but nobody oh, wants to. Yeah, nobody wants to. Yucca I mean, Mountain. Yucca Mountain. Yeah. Well, you put, put them on a put them on an Elon Musk rocket and send them out of the world. Yeah. Uh, that's a thought. <laughs> Once he can come up with an electric powered rocket, uh, send him to send him to the sun. It's nuclear anyway. What's the difference? Yeah, what what harm could that brutal. do? Yeah, you're brutal. <laughs> well, I mean, I just I mean, is there any kind of this? The uh, is is the TVA? I'm gonna. They, are they the biggest? Um, uh, no, the big kind of thing. I was looking. at I mean, you guys were talking about him, and I was firing up the that interweb and playing around on Google. Uh, the big con- <clears throat> the big concentration is throughout the Northeast. Um, I used to uh, I used to have to fly back and forth from Chicago to New York, uh, sometimes a couple of times a week. And being the hotty toddy guy that I am, I was flying commercial. I was flying on a private jet, uh, and you could count well, nine nuclear reactors on that flight. We always uh, found that, that me and the other guys always found that really fascinating that there were that that you could see that many. Well, except uh, that everybody always thought the the coal fired plant in Indiana was nuclear because it looked just like one, but it wasn't. No, these are these are nuclear because they're all kind of near the Great Lakes areas where you need you need access to water. I know what I'm saying. There's, whatever a, reason. there's a coal plant in Michigan City that I think they're just shutting down. That for years people would argue me that things a nuclear plant because it looked just like one, but it oh, was thing along the way. I, I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. We probably counted that one. Um, there are not as many in the TVA area because you've got hydroelectric and other things going on down there. And the TVA, remember, the TVA was started in the '30s, so most of most of what was done you know, was done with technology from the 1930s. Well, allegedly, and when but, uh, when Camel Edison bought. Allegheny Power, which they never could have done under the until unless the the public utility holding company act was repealed for some stupid reason. Anyway, they bought Allegheny Power, and evidently uh, the engineers at Allegheny Power were spectacular at extending the life of old nukes. And by mm-hmm. essentially getting these guys on board at Commonwealth Edison, these ones at Commonwealth Edison that are running the one down uh, was it Braidwood and a couple others are. Are uh, they? They were supposed to be not running twenty years ago, and they're good as new. And these guys are really good at it. They got from Allegheny Power, supposedly. Well, it, there is technology. You know, Bill Gates has, has been a. You know, you got to respect Bill Gates for some of the things that he's trying to do with the money he's got. And one of the things that he was real close on was uh, self-contained nuclear units that you know could maybe light up 20 or 30,000 houses for a few hundred years if you put them in a neighborhood. And 
they were real close on making the next push on trying to get utilities to start using these things, and that thing happened in, in Japan. And yeah. whenever you have a nuclear disaster, it just sets everything back. And you got to assume that uh, Russia going into Ukraine, where there are nuclear plants, uh, and there's been a little, you know, one of the spikes down we got in the market was because they were fighting around one of the nuclear plants. But that's going to scare the public again. And not only yeah, not only do the fossil fuel people are, are going to fight against nuclear, but the clean energy people are as well, because they, they want you to put money in the oh, solar yeah. panels and the, you know, in the turbines. Well, and it's an easy way to scare the public. Well, nuclear is a word. It's pretty frightening to a lot of people. Well, Ken Walt Edison doesn't want... Uh, done safely, we would be... You know, what, what, what in the world does France leave the world in? Nuclear power, they, right? They, they, they leave the world in having their country powered by nuclear power and done very, very well. Uh, there's, I, I cannot recall off the top of my head there ever being a problem with the nuclear reactors in France. Well, Russell, there's, whenever you do something like this, I mean... Mm-hmm. The timing of it. I mean, I just I, I was yeah. talking to Kevin about it. I mean, when there's nothing in the way, what what we can accomplish in this country and have accomplished in the past is is mm-hmm. spectacular. But you know, uh, but I don't. I mean, but everything now, everything you do when when somebody even even somebody like me, I, I, I'm I'm always trying to be on two levels at a chessboard. I'll say we should be able to do this. You know, we as they say in the trading floor, who's we? You get a mouse in your pocket. Uh, I mean, we should be able, we should be able to do this, but then I also realize that the level of detail is so dramatic, and who's how many axes are being gored or, or pushed down the line in something like this? Even something as simple as a, a wind farm in North Dakota. Well, it makes sense. I guess there's a lot of wind in North Dakota. <laughs> I, yeah, that's I've, I've only been there once. I guess it was windy. I don't know, but but there's all kinds of wind up there. Take my word for it. And I, even though I've never been there, uh, I was there once. Drove through it. Uh, now, you got, there's there's power lines that are old fart power lines, and there's power lines that are way new, way newer and way better in terms of the degradation of uh, the power over the line. Now, if Commonwealth Edison doesn't own much of this stuff anymore, but say uh, they have all their their plants here and they have their power grid, okay, and Wisconsin is close enough on the grid, they're giving power to Commonwealth Edison when they need it, and Indiana is probably part of the grid and. You know, if we had an engineer here, he could give me the whole story. But now there's this power coming from halfway down to Indianapolis. There's this big wind farm, and, uh, and then oh yeah. And then, but now, but now all of a sudden, now somebody's going to say, "Well, why the hell don't we have the high, the really super duper good lines from that spot in Indiana to Illinois or Chicago? Because we're well, we're using a lot of it here. Well, somebody might say." Well, maybe we should, but but who's the we? Again, you got a mouse in your pocket. I mean, it's Commonwealth yeah. Edison. It does the guy down there with the with the fifty windmills? Is it his job to put to upgrade the grid to Chicago because he wants to sell it? Commonwealth Edison is going to say, "I'm getting my power from Central Illinois. I don't give a bleep about your 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 windmills. If you if you want to get me power cheaper, that's on you. I'm not I'm not paying for that part of the grid. I mean, everything you everything." You know this, Russell, but it, I think a lot of a lot of people need to. Everything you do is a bazillion details, and every one of them is a court fight, and every one of them is a, a problem, right? Yeah, 
And and again, this is a this is an area where I th- this is our solution. I mean, this really and at some point, maybe you know, maybe we have oil in the hundred to hundred and fifty dollar range for a long time, and it just becomes you know we've got to suck it up and allow a few of these things to be built to provide the energy that we want to live the lives that, you know to live our modern lives and. Right now, I you know, electric cars sound great and all. They're kind of cool looking. But in reality, if a coal-fired plant is the thing that you're having to use to um, you know, charge up your electric vehicle, that, that really isn't as much of an improvement as a lot of people think. Well, I, I... So we, it, it needs to be on both ends. And, again, I really do think that the, the best solution if you just throw fear out of the equation is nuclear. It, it would, if, if we, and, and we, are, the U.S. actually has 30% of the world's nuclear output. We, we're, the, we're the biggest one, but we're such a big country that it's, you know, it's only about 10% of what we, uh, of, of you know, what we consume electricity-wise. If we built enough, I think people would be absolutely thrilled if we built, I would be thrilled for the generation that comes after me if we doubled or tripled the nuclear capacity and we, you know, that, that kind of made us an independent country where we don't have to worry about getting energy or what it, what's happening in energy markets based on things that are happening around the world when we're asleep. Would you uh, make the investment in the feeder reactor? I would. Yeah, totally. All right, so now you don't want one in your backyard. Um. I, it wouldn't, you know, <laughs> uh, and this may explain a lot of silly things about me, but I grew up under giant TVA power lines. I was, they were in my backyard growing up. We, we were, you know, <laughs> um, so it, that, I'm sure that has affected me on all kinds of do you, do you Have you ever read, uh, I don't know where the hell I read this. So, so I read, but the point, the point was behind that was, yeah, I'd be totally fine with, um, there being a nuclear power plant. I really wouldn't like looking at that giant stack thing, but, yeah, if there was one two or three miles away from me, and between the apartment that I had in Indiana and my home in Illinois, I paid $700 in an electric bill last month. Oh, yeah. it's uh, combine both of them. So, uh, so, so do you have a lead so line? That, that, you have I would a, love for that number to be more like two. So you'd just be wearing a lead line jackstrap. You'd be okay. Uh, I, you know what? I'm beyond all of that. So I can all care right. less. You care less, all right? They just saved me a long weekend in bed with the ice pack. Ah, <laughs> I'm just. Kidding. Uh, I, you know, it's, that, took a, that took a turn. Right, what, what, yeah. What, what's your? I asked Kevin, what's your over under on uh, an idea to breaking ground to turning the thing in if it's a nuclear plant? Well, I know how long. I do know how long it takes to construct one. It's five to seven years to construct it. So, idea, I would give it two to four. So, I think your decade is a good number. I, I'm thinking you don't break ground for a decade with the court fights. Oh, I um, this is not, I think it depends on the environment. If if we are in an environment where if, if what we're experiencing right now with energy prices, if that continues and it becomes very stressful for the average, you know. It, one or two months of of it costing fifty percent more to fill up your tank—that's one thing. Or one or two months of a bad utility bill. But if we're in the same place, you know, eight nine months from now, 
I think the political will to get some of these things done, uh, I think it's there. Did you uh, read closely your utility bill? Because you caught me on a day when I just paid mine last night. And it, uh, I did not. I will next time. I'm going to say that my uh, my electric you know what? bills. Heck, I've got my Indiana one right here. <laughs> I'm going to say I paid uh, 68 <laughs> bucks for my apartment apartment an electric uh-huh. bill, and I'm going to say 17 dollars of it was for electricity. The rest of it. Yeah, the rest of it's for hooking up to your thing. Uh, and tax on this the, storage the charge. Storage charge. What, 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 what are they storing, by the way? What, what exactly is the three dollars mm-hmm. storage for? I mean, it's just they're out of their mind. I mean, uh, it just, I'm just, just saying. Well, here, this and this right here is the difference between a blue state and a red state. Although Indiana's kind of purplish, but we're going to call it a red state for the moment. Um, my my bill, I've got one in front of me that's 146. Uh, one twenty of that one forty six is actual metered electric charge for your apartment, in Indiana. Yeah, what do you got going? I, you know, mining the Bitcoin stuff like that. Okay. I, had, um, I, I, I left. I left the electric heat on while I was not here, and it got really cold. Well, that's a. Uh Funny you should it's an old building. The building I live in was built in the late 1800s. Oh, so, so you, you don't have a gas bill. This is the both of them. No, I don't have it. It's all electric. All right. And I and I, I just left. The, I, I I just moved into this place. I just wasn't thinking straight. We'll see what the bill looks like now that I don't leave the Well, that's, on that's the, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, Carl, of course, has all the, uh, the best you can get efficiencies and so forth. But I tell you what, I mean, from what I my guys at Pullman told me, they were a couple of them came from the heating and air conditioning group. Said the idea of anybody using electric heat is crazy. I mean, because you it, you, you get a yeah, gas furnace it's expensive. <laughs> but he said gas furnaces is, is you know they're they're ninety percent efficient. And he goes, why yeah. would you want to burn gas fifty miles away and pour the electricity over to wires and heat stuff up here? Because it's way less efficient. Uh, and it, like I said, this is a really old building, and I was stupid. It's going to be, and one of the reasons I'm hanging on to this bill is I want to see how it compares to the next one where I haven't turned on the electric heat at all. Well, uh, then I got we got only got a couple of minutes. We got four or five, but mm-hmm. I uh, yesterday I was kind of ranting at our our Fed that no matter what, the the, the stock market is more important to them than inflation right now, and uh, I, I I honestly believe that. I mean. Uh, Last week they poured $45 billion onto the balance sheet. I think that, uh, they're, they're still, they're not about to let this thing go. And I, and maybe for good reason. And I don't see how, you know, I mean, Joe Biden, I don't know what he can do. Whoever would be in there, I don't care if it was a t- Trump, Attila, the Hun, nobody wants these rates. You know, you don't want them. I mean, what is, what is, every 1% is $300 billion a year in interest? Yeah. Well, I mean, we we know that a normal rate is a lot higher than this. These guys have gotten away with paying. What do you suppose their average interest on the Fed has been for the last ten years? I'm going to say one and a half. Not even that. Three quarters. They're across yeah, probably, the entire curve. Yeah, like a percent or something along those lines. Well, if that goes, they benefited from it, and it's going to be it's going to be a a rough time with higher rates for a lot of things. Not just them. Well, so what the Fed is so proud of when they were when they were buying these bonds up, of how much money they were quote making. My guys, the Fed couldn't wait to tell me that. 
when they were still here working. I haven't seen one of them in two years at the bar because they don't they don't work here anymore. They're all from home. I don't get that at all. But that's I guess that's a political. That's statement. what they're doing. I know that's what they're doing. And uh, I mean, you know, they're and some of the jobs they have are impossible to do at home. But I guess you know that's just one man's opinion. But the now now if they if they bought all these bonds, say at one forty in the TLT. And uh, if the rates go to 3.5%, I got the TLT is going to be under 100. Now, what are they going to do? Are they going to lose money on all these, or are they just going to let them hang till the end and, and say they made dough or they're what? They're going to let them hang to the end. Uh, they, I mean, I know that's too, that, that's too basic a show. That's exactly what they're going to do. So they're never going to actually... They're not going to sell them. Well, because if they went out and... But the mortgage, the mortgage things... That's uh, holding them to maturity is how they're going to work the balance sheet down, or but, at least that's what I assume. Right, but here's the because that's because that's what I would do. But here's 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 the thing, uh, Russell. If you if you buy mortgages, if you go out and buy four and five percent mortgages, uh, and money, the rates are going down because they're the ones that are lower. But they lower them. The problem is you're only going to get your four or five percent for a while because people are going to refinance, and you're going to continue mm-hmm. to get checks. You're going to get a runoff. A, that you can't control. When I say the runoff, people are going to redeem in the bonds, not at your your discretion, that theirs. You're going to have a runoff that you can't control, right? So you have to keep buying mm-hmm. more and more. Well, if you get down to the point where you're the one who's buying them at 2.5% and we go back to 6 and now all of a sudden these things are trading at a discount, now you're stuck with the damn things for 30 years unless somebody is forced to move because they died or because they got transferred, right? You're gonna mm-hmm. be, you're gonna be, that, you don't want to be on the wrong end of that trade where the, the good ones are gone and the bad ones you keep. No, you don't. And that, but that, but the thing is, they're not in it to make money off of the trades. Uh, they, well, they tell you they are. When they make money, they can't wait to tell you. Yeah. I mean, if they do make money, but, um, net out, they, they're not making money off of this. They're doing it to, to maintain whatever they think the status quo that's proper in the in the financial or in the economy, not even the financial markets, what they're really trying to do here. But and they can and that's the thing is they can stop buying bonds and then bonds start maturing and their balance sheet shrinks. They don't have to sell anything for their balance sheet to shrink. No, that, but that, first they got to first they got to stop growing the damn thing. Right, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, they even though. I'm going to be nice to him here for a second. I'm going to say that right now, even if you and I were running it and we wanted to get us back to, quote, equilibrium, I'll bet we'd still have to buy stuff. I bet it, I bet it would run off so it would run off faster than we wanted to. Um, yeah, I mean, they probably can shrink the balance sheet. Well, I'm sure they can shrink the balance sheet and do some net buying. I hadn't thought about that before, but they can they can do that. I, I bet that thing shrinks. That. I bet that shrinks pretty fast. Yeah, especially. Well, I, 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 I'm wondering if there's a way to see what they got. There's got to be a way to see what they got. Uh, Carl claims there is, but uh, you really got to. I mean, for I mean, there's a way for me to go see what Warren Buffett had within the last three months. Uh, there has to be some some of them are what. Some every, every time I try, I'm putting that on the to do list so I can report back next week. You know what, though, Russell, that's a job for one of your underclassmen because. Every time I've tried to do that, and I found something like like I, I was finally the, the blind squirrel that found the acorn, I put it in my uh-huh. uh, in my whatever in my favorites column, 
and I go back to see it six months later, and, and, they, and they've changed the table. They've moved the table or something else, and i got to find it again. They're pretty clever. <laughs> they, keep, they keep redoing the website? Yeah, they so. keep redoing the website. <laughs> I mean, it's like they're doing with the money okay. supply. I mean, try and find a money supply. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, the latest, the latest number you have is what, February 22nd? Is the last money supply number? I, that would probably be about right if there's a month delay on it. Uh, now, what, now I, I'm convinced. Now, you as a professor, do you get the weekly numbers? Who gets the weekly numbers? Just like the the banks and people that are trading against them, or what? I'm sure I get. I, one of the great things about being down here is I I get access to all kinds of things, more stuff than I could even imagine. So I'm sure I do somehow. If you, if you can find to get the weekly money supply, you got to start shipping it to me. Uh, we'll have to work something out on that one. Um, is your school mad? You, <laughs> your school mad? You guys I, lost. Do what? Is Indiana mad that the team lost? Then we got to go. No, I think everybody's pretty happy that that they you know getting themselves on the right track and getting back in the tournament. Good. All right, bud. Talk to you next I mean, week. Both, both of my schools, Memphis and Indiana, were both uh, you know kind of happy with the season. I was uh, rooting for Memphis just because of you. SP Futures down twenty five. Yes, if he's down 123, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything.